Amen. Well, good morning to you all. It is December 23rd this morning, only two days until Christmas. And as far as I'm concerned, it is the most wonderful time of the year. I hope that you are having an awesome Christmas season. I hope that you are filled with joy and with the grace of God and mercy of God and uh, that your family is being blessed and that you are being blessed. And uh, today we're going to be continuing in our series entitled Snapshots of Christmas. Last week we looked at the snapshot of Mary. And you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And I believe it. The right picture captured in the right context has the power to influence and motivate nations for generations and generations. And so in this series of messages called Snapshots of Christmas, we're taking a closer look at moments or snapshots of people in the Christmas story and as we look at these snapshots, we're going to try to just kind of slow down for a minute and see the details that are there so that we can have a greater understanding of the Christmas story. So the title of today's message is A Snapshot of Jesus. A Snapshot of Jesus. And in this message, we're going to look at this snapshot, this, this moment in time, and learn some things about Jesus, because it's a moment that captures some really awesome things about our Savior. And we find it in the story of Gabriel appearing to Joseph in the dream in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or in your devices, we'll be there for this message, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. And uh, I encourage you, either turn there and follow along, or if you want, just close your eyes and listen to this whole story as I read it to you, and then we'll come back and unpack it together. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a fa was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Would you bow in prayer with me over God's word? God, thank you for your word to us, God. Speak to our hearts. God, open our hearts and our minds and fill it with your wisdom and understanding. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, okay, so in this passage, the same angel who had previously appeared to Mary, is now going to appear to Joseph as well in a dream. And as he does, he gives Joseph and us a snapshot, a picture of what this Messiah would be like. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But first, let's take just a minute 
to look at the setting that surrounds this picture. As we look at verses 18 and 19, there's, there's several things there that we can discover about Joseph and about the whole situation. By this time, the angel had already appeared to Mary. Mary had already conceived. She's already visited her aunt Elizabeth, who was pregnant with the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist. And, and by this point in the story, her pregnancy has been discovered. It says that she was found to be pregnant. Everyone knows that she is with child. And we know from verse 19 that Joseph is a godly man. It says that he was faithful to the law. And we also know that he was a merciful man. It says that he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, but had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was merciful. And it's also clear that even though he was merciful, he did not believe Mary's story. He didn't believe that the angel had appeared to her, or that the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit about how the child would be the Messiah. He didn't believe any of it. And, uh, and actually, I don't blame him. We really shouldn't blame him if Joseph struggled with these ideas, because the truth is, right, I don't think any one of us would have believed her either. And so this is the setting in which this snapshot of Jesus takes place. And, and so we come to verse 20, and it says that after he had considered divorcing Mary quietly, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And we can gather from this verse that, that God is now sending his angel to encourage Joseph. He's letting Joseph in on what is going on. God sees that Joseph is struggling, and he, he knows that Joseph needs a divine messenger as much as Mary did. And so he sends the angel Gabriel to encourage Joseph. And I want you to notice something here. The angel could have stopped right at verse 20, and, and I think that would have been enough. Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's all Joseph really needed to know. Mary's not lying to you. She's not been unfaithful to you. This is from God. You can trust her and take her home to be your wife. He could have stopped just right there, but the angel didn't. He went on in verses 21 through 24 with all of these awesome details about what this baby that was conceived in Mary would be like. And because of that, we have this awesome picture of who the Messiah is. And as we look at this picture, there are three things, three ideas that I want you to get from that this morning and the rest of this passage, all right? So the first idea is this. It's found in verse 21. The angel continued speaking to Joseph, saying, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And as we look at the snapshot of Jesus, the first thing that we are struck with right off the bat is this idea that Jesus is going to save us from our sins. Now, that may have seemed a little bit strange to Joseph's ears. It certainly would have seemed strange to any of the Israelites of that day. But you see, most, what most of the people were looking for was a Messiah who was going to save them from the Romans. The Romans had conquered Israel some 60 years before, and they had reduced the people to servitude, and they laid heavy taxes on them, and their, their governors, their leaders, were really just puppets of, of Caesar. And they believed in a Messiah who was going to 
save them from the Romans. Come and throw out the Romans and reestablish David's kingdom as chief among the nations. And they got this idea from the scripture, from the Old Testament scriptures. It wasn't just some random thing that they pulled out of left field. Right? It was from the scriptures. Uh, there were many messianic scriptures that talked about a ruling and conquering Messiah who would, in fact, reestablish David's kingdom. And so they love scriptures like Isaiah 9 where it said, For unto us a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulders. And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will rule on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. They love scriptures like that, scriptures of the reigning Messiah. But what they missed or ignored were all of the many scriptures that talked about a savior who would suffer and save them and redeem them. They missed scriptures like Isaiah 53 where it says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. They missed passages that said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. They missed it when it said that he would be crushed and suffer and the Lord would make his life a sin offering. You see, both those ideas were true. The idea of a reigning Messiah and the idea of a suffering Messiah who would save us from our sins. And so here in this snapshot that the angel Gabriel is giving us of Jesus, God is presenting a striking image of Jesus as the one who will save us from our sins. It's a striking image of the Messiah who would suffer and die and save us from our sins. The reigning Messiah would come later, but first the suffering Messiah. First, Jesus must come and redeem us, must ransom us, must save us from our sins. He must go to the cross and die there, a sin offering, the just for the unjust to bring us to God. And so the image we see before us in this verse is an image of a God who sees us away from him and doesn't want to leave us in that situation. It's an image of a God who sees us impossibly lost in sin and has come to find us. It's an image of a God who has seen us captive to sin and has now come to set us free. Yes, it must have sounded strange to Joseph's ears. She will give birth to a son who will save his people from their sins. It may have sounded something like this song that Scott is coming now to sing for us. This is such a strange way to rule the world. This is such a strange way, such a strange way to save the Yes, in these verses, we have this wonderful, 
beautiful snapshot of a Messiah who would save us from our sins. And then next, the second idea that I want you to see in this passage, in this snapshot that the angel Gabriel is giving us of the Messiah, is found in the next verse, verse 22. And it says this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to look at the specific prophecy that the angel was referring to here. But before we do, I want you to look just a little more closely at this part of the picture in verse 22. Look at the word fulfill. And then look at the word prophet. Fulfill prophecy. What these words communicate to me is the idea of longing fulfilled. For centuries, the people of Israel had longed for the Messiah. You can see it in Abraham, longing for a kingdom whose builder and architect is God. You can see it in Moses, in his vision of a prophet that God would raise up for the people. You can see it in David and Solomon's expanding kingdom. You can see it in the revivals under Hezekiah and Josiah. You can see it in the return of the Israelites from captivity under Zerubbabel, who was a descendant of David. The expectations for the Messianic kingdom were high. And you can even see it in the writings of the prophets and the psalmists. And then you can see it in John the Baptist, in the people's response to him. They were wondering, is he the Messiah? So much they were wondering about it that he had to say to them, no, I'm not the Messiah, but there's one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He is the Messiah. There was a, there was a great expectation and longing for the Messiah. And the truth is that there is a longing for the Messiah in every human heart. Oh, may, sometimes we may misinterpret it for other things. Sometimes we may warp it because of our sinful natures. But the truth is that every human heart really desires the Messiah and the Messianic kingdom. When we long for world peace, aren't we really longing for the Prince of Peace? When we long for security, aren't we really longing for the one who holds us in the palm of his hands, the one who said that I will never leave you or forsake you. When we long for health and long life, aren't we really longing for the giver of life, the one who gives eternal life? When we long for acceptance, aren't we really longing for the Messiah to look us in the eye, to take our hand and say, enter into my Father's rest? Isn't that what we're really looking for? Isn't Jesus what we're really longing for? Jesus, isn't Jesus what we really desire? He's the hope of all the earth. He's our consolation. He's the joy of every longing heart. Let's express that together in this familiar song. I want to invite you to sing along with us as we're singing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. So in this snapshot of Jesus, we see a Messiah who will save us from our sins. We see a Messiah who meets our every longing. And the third idea that I want you to see in this snapshot of Jesus that Gabriel is bringing to us is found in verse 23. It says, the virgin 
will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Don't rush over those words this morning. They are three of the most amazing words that have ever been written. The idea that God himself would be with us. Do you know that most all religions and most all religious activity can be seen as humanity's attempts to reach God? Our desire to reach God, to, to raise ourselves up to God's level, to, to become acceptable to God, to be received by God. But here, in the birth of Jesus, we have this snapshot of God coming to us, of God reaching down to us, of God becoming one of us, of, of God experiencing everything that we experience except for sin. It's God becoming a baby. It's God experiencing what it means to grow up. It's God experiencing the grief of losing an earthly father. It's God experiencing what it means to, to provide for a family. It's God knowing what it's like for a good friend to betray him. It's God knowing what it's like for all his other friends to abandon him. It's God being falsely accused by us and for us. It's God healing us, God teaching us, God being with us, God serving us, God loving us, God suffering for us and dying for us and redeeming us. It's God with us. It's the transcendent God becoming imminent. It's the God who seems far away and holy other becoming near and touchable and tangible. It's God saying, if you want to know what the Father is like, look at the Son. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Let's sing about it in this familiar song. His name is Not only that, it's, just, it's not just about Jesus having been with us during his lifetime, but because he has now risen from the dead, this picture of Emmanuel also becomes a promise of God with us now, right now in this lifetime. It's Jesus promising his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. When I go to the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. I will live in you, and you will live in me. The Holy Spirit will take from what is mine, and give it to you. It's Jesus promising the disciples, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. The promise of Emmanuel is not only a promise that when Jesus was alive, that he walked with us, and that he would be with us, but it's God with us today. It's God with us when we're on the mountaintop, rejoicing with us. It's God saying that when you're in the valley, I will be walking with you there. It's God saying that when you're in a spiritual battle, I will have your back. It's God saying that when you're wounded, I will carry you. It's God with us right now. So let's sing this song one more time now. But this time, I want you to take whatever situation that you're in and sing it as a statement of faith that, God, I know that you are with me right now. Amen. Emmanuel.
God with us that Gabriel is presenting in this passage. It's not just for a baby in a manger, and it's not just for a Messiah who lived and died way back when. It's not even just for the Messiah who's living now and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All of those things are awesome, but it's also for a Messiah who wants us to be with him throughout all eternity. Look at how the Apostle Paul describes this. The Apostle John describes this in Revelation chapter 21. Now in verse 8 he says this, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That is the second death. But God didn't want that. Here's what God really, really wants for you. He says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's something Hallelujah. to get excited about. Would you stand one more time? <laughs> Sing with us one more time. This time, with thankfulness that he came the first time to pay for our sins, and with faith that this risen Messiah is with us right now, and with great hope that he is coming back one day so that we can be with him forever and ever. Amen.
Amen, amen. In this snapshot of Jesus, we see a Messiah who redeems us, who saves us from our sins, Messiah who fulfills our every longing, and a Messiah who is God with us. He was God with us when he came. He's God with us right now as the risen Messiah, seated at the throne of God, interceding for us. And he's Messiah, the God who wants us to be with him forever and forever and forever. That's the image of Jesus, a snapshot of Jesus in this moment. I want to ask you all, just before we close, would you just bow your heads and pray with me?